0: This morning's first reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 to 21. This can be found on page 272 of your Bibles and on the screens. Eli's sons were wicked men, they had no regard for the Lord. Now it is the practice of the priests with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, and while the meat was being boiled, the servant of the priest would come in with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would plunge it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servant of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept bald meat from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, Let the fat be burned up first, and then take whatever you want, the servant would then answer, No, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Our gospel reading can be found on page 1029 from Luke's gospel. Chapter two, beginning at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it thinking he was in their company they traveled on for a day then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends when they did not find him they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished his mother said to him son why have you treated us like this your father and I have been anxiously searching for you why were you searching for me he asked didn't you know I had to be in my father's house but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, may the words I speak this morning and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable to you and for your glory. Amen. Well, this morning is our fourth sermon in the series, Christ in All Ages. Two weeks ago, we heard about being infants in Christ. The week before that, about God's knowledge and love for us in the womb, and even before we are made. Today we're looking at faith in children. How can we build faith in our children, and our grandchildren, and our godchildren? Now, if your children are grown up, or perhaps you don't have your own children, then please don't switch off now. Because in this church, we are all responsible for the spiritual growth of our children. And we take it very seriously. We all have a part to play. So today's sermon is for all of us. Until just a few weeks ago, I was uh, the coordinator of the Children, Youth and Family Ministry here at St. Jude's. And until just three weeks ago, our youngest child was still living at home. For the past 22 years since our eldest was born, Mike and I have been responsible for the spiritual growth of our children, our own children. And for the past four years, I've been responsible for coordinating the ministry we do with young people and children here in church. But as I have handed both these responsibilities on, firstly to our own children themselves, as they've become adults, and secondly to Liz Morrison as our CYF coordinator, I found myself reflecting on both the highs and lows of each. Recently, New Wine and a number of other Christian organizations, such as the Bible Reading Fellowship, have got together to work on helping parents disciple their children. What does this phrase, to disciple, mean? Well, it means to role model and teach our children about faith, to live out the meaning of our Christian faith in everyday life. If we just talk about it and don't do it, we become hypocrites, and children hate hypocrites. New Wine did a survey of parents at a recent summer camp to try and find out why while many children are being taken along to church in their childhood, the majority of these children fall away from church once they leave home. New Wine found that many parents they spoke to were first generation Christians in their own families and had no role model of how to bring up children in the faith. While it's great to bring children along to church week by week, and we have excellent children's groups here at St Jude's. It seems that this is not enough. So as I've reflected, I've thought about the why, what, where, when, and how of discipling our children. Five questions to ask ourselves. Last summer, we had two wonderful celebrations when five children here at St Jude's from two different families chose to get baptized, two in a pool in the garden and three in the sea. Many of us attended both occasions and there was a real sense of joy and celebration at those as these children chose faith in Christ for themselves. We love it when that happens. Now I hope that belonging to our church family and seeing faith lived out in all of us played a part in that decision for those children, but I suspect that the greater influence was their parents and seeing faith lived out at home. So firstly why? Why do we want our children to grow up and take on the Christian faith for themselves? Why is it important to us? We all know that children are like sponges and will pick up the influences around them without us even noticing at times that that's happening. I'm sure many of us have felt embarrassed when our children have come out with things in public that really were not meant for public ears. So why is our faith important to us? Because we believe that a life lived out with Jesus Christ as Lord is the best kind of life with the best purpose and future. If our Christian faith permeates our lives, it will inform our decisions, our life choices, how we use our money, what we teach our children about love and care for others. Our children will absorb that, and even if they can't articulate it, they will learn that Jesus is important in their family. Do your children know that? Do your grandchildren know that? Do your godchildren know that Jesus is important to you? In our Old Testament reading, Samuel, Hannah's son, was growing up in the presence of the Lord. We read this in verse 21 of chapter 22. He stood out from the other young men who were acting disrespectfully and were told their sin was great in the Lord's sight. So what made the difference in Samuel's life? I think it was his parents. Samuel's parents' faith, Hannah and Elkanah's faith, and their respect for God made a difference to Samuel. But maybe you don't know where to begin with all this faith stuff for yourself. You'd like it for your children, but you don't know about it for yourself. Or perhaps it's a long time since you've really thought about it. Well, as we were hearing earlier this morning, we do have a number of groups here at church where you can spend time with others exploring faith and finding its relevance for everyday life. From Discipleship Explored, to parenting courses, to Life Groups for All Ages, to Connect, our women's groups. Get linked in doing this faith stuff with others is much easier and more fun and encouraging than trying to do it on your own. Secondly, what? What do we teach our children about faith at home? In our New Testament reading, Jesus has clearly been taught about faith at home. For starters, we know that God chose Mary to give birth to Jesus, and that he also chose Joseph to be jesus's earthly father and he would have had good reason to choose this couple they were full of faith and committed jews who would have known the scriptures and taught them to jesus bringing him up in a community of faith god knew what he was going to ask of jesus in the future and he knew that jesus needed parents who would teach him to love his heavenly father. Jesus needed this faith for all that he was going to do in his father's name later in his life. I wonder what God is going to ask of our children. How are we equipping them for that? As part of a community of faith here at St Jude's, We can follow Jesus' parents' example, where we see them joining with the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. How are we joining in with our community of faith here at St. Jude's? But none of that, however, stopped them from being hugely anxious and cross with Jesus for separating himself off from the crowd and doing his own thing. Typical young teenager, you might think. Jesus, however, had other things on his mind, and as confusing as it was to his parents at the time, they returned home, we're told, in the Bible, where Jesus is obedient to them and grows in wisdom and love for God over the coming years. Jesus needed this faith foundation. How are we putting a faith foundation in place for our children so that they will be equipped for the now and the not yet of their lives. Well, practically, we can begin to equip our children with faith by modelling our response to others in the home as a witness to our faith. Do we show love and respect? Do we speak respectfully to each other? Do we speak respectfully of friends, of their teachers, Of our church and its leaders are we prepared to compromise or do we always want our own way do we say sorry and show forgiveness when we've had an argument what do we model about attitude to others and choices we have to make and what are these choices based on if we want them to be based on biblical truth are we reading Bible stories to our children and praying with them Are we spending time with our teenagers listening to them and discussing with them? We can tell you about suitable children's and youth bibles and other helpful books and courses if you want to know more about this. So we've looked at why we teach our children about faith. We've looked at what we teach them. Now thirdly and fourthly, where and when are we modelling faith to our children? Certainly, I hope, at church. It's relatively easy to be a Christian at church. We're not here for very long, about an hour and a half to two hours each week. But what about the rest of the week? Of course, the place we are mainly modelling faith is in the home. Just as Samuel was experiencing living with the priest Eli, and Jesus was seeing at home in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph. Values are caught more than taught, and if we have values that are important to us, we must choose to live them out at home as well as in public. We will not fool our children. The truth will out at some point. Mike and I are currently facilitating a Parenting Teenagers course here at church, and the first session is called Keeping the End in Mind. It's good to remind ourselves of this of this, as we parent and as we plan for church growth. What sort of people do we want to come into adulthood from our home, from our church? Are we putting these qualities into place now? If we want our children to be polite, we teach them from a very young age to say please and thank you if we desire our children to leave home or our church as young men and women of faith, are we putting into place in toddler group, for example, the groundwork for faith? I read an article recently where a dad said that he makes time to watch his children's favorite TV programs with them. And then they talk about it together, working out the morals, the choices made, and consequences of those choices and how the goodies and the baddies fare. So far, why, what, where, when, and now? Fifthly, how. How are we modelling faith to our children? Well, in many respects, we've covered this already, but I just want to challenge us all here this morning to think about this as a church One of the mainstays of my life has been and is knowing that I am loved. I'm loved by many people my parents, my sibling, my siblings, my husband, my children, friends, my dog. My dog really loves me. (laughs) And God. Mainly, actually, God. How do I know this? Well, to quote Karl Barth, the early 20th century Swiss theologian, when he was asked in 1962 how he would summarize the essence of the millions of words he had published. He replied, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Friends, in the end, I want to say that it's all about love Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, love each other. Hannah and Elkanah loved God and Samuel. Mary and Joseph loved God and Jesus. Jesus loves us. We love each other. Love involves time, sacrifice, commitment, faith, and hope. We are told that teenagers and young adults are leaving the church in droves. What is the answer, we wonder? How do we encourage them to hold on to the faith of their childhood? Well, I believe that the answer is you and me. It's us, us here today, the church here right now. Don't look to others to sort it out. Look to yourself and start loving your own children and the children we share in this church are teenagers as well, sacrificially, committedly, in faith and in hope. As we love, we will change the world around us, one person at a time. And the world beyond us will change too. Love each other. I would like to end with a story. For some time, the young boy didn't speak, but then deliberately looking at his mother, he said, no, I don't want to give myself to God. Putting her hands to her face, tears spilled from Catherine Booth's cheeks to the sawdust below. What now, she thought. Concerned for some time about her seven-year-old son, she approached him again after a children's church service. Gently placing her hand on his shoulder, she said, you're very unhappy, to which he said, yes. Catherine continued, you know the reason? Again, the boy replied, yes earnestly the young mother then asked him the clear question about giving himself to God the boy said no and it rang in Catherine's ears young Bramwell's response hurt his mother's heart deeply but Catherine also knew for it to be valid the decision must be the boy's own as she recorded later God would not invade the freedom of the will, even of a child of seven. No one can decide for him, no one in heaven, earth, or hell, but himself. Shaken, but convinced that the Spirit of God works mightily on little children long before grown ups think they are able to understand, she knew what must be done. Setting her face to pray for Bramwell, Catherine mingled prayer and tears, trusting God with the results. Three months later, at another children's service led by his mother, Bramwell's decision for Christ was made. Catherine sent the news to her mother. Bramwell has begun to serve God i feel a great increase of responsibility oh to cherish the tender plant of grace aright church this is our responsibility to tend these tender plants of grace aright catherine booth's strong love and prayers for her eight children helped nurture them into powerful men and women of God. Catherine Booth and her husband William founded the Salvation Army in 1865. After giving his life to God at the young age of seven, Bramwell flourished in the things of God, administrating his father's five soup kitchens, preaching among the poor, and taking up the cause to help eliminate the slavery and prostitution of young girls on the streets of London. After the death of his father, Bramwell became the Salvation Army's second general. So to conclude, I invite us all to pray with passion for our children and teenagers. Parents, this is your responsibility. Church, this is our responsibility. We must create a context at home and at church in which our children and young people can discover faith for themselves. Friends, let's not fail them. Will you do what it takes to help raise a generation in faith in Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Lord Jesus please fill us with such love for our children that we weep for their souls and earnestly pray for their hearts and minds do not let us shirk our responsibility to them in apathy and busyness stir us up to love wholeheartedly so that we might see a generation restored and not lost to your eternal love in jesus christ we pray amen